Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer and happily self-described podcast nerd, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and Winner Winner Chicken Dinner, Heather MacArthur. Hey, Heather. Hello. I love this because I uh, I just had like the best weekend in Laughlin and so I'm feeling, I'm riding the, uh, the high of... Which is probably small wins, but like the small wins all count and it did buy me some new clothes. So I'll take it. (gasps) Exciting. Yeah. You know, the small wins are sometimes what get you in the emotional headspace to conquer the rest of your week. That's a good way to start the week. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's my theme for the week. We don't want a chicken dinner. I love it. If your luck had been different in Laughlin, you just would have been ready and hungry for the week. Because, okay, let's that back. Exactly. It's a good backup. Good backup. I love it. Well, welcome to the show. We are walking our listeners as we are every week through the strategies and the attitude changes and actions that are putting you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement. So we're helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. And one of the things we've been doing in working towards that goal is setting forward a quick money minute at the top of the show. So this is actually a continuation of last episode's budget continuum, continuum just being a fancy word for a line that I asked you to draw on a sheet of paper (laughs) with your fears on one side and your uh, aspirations and goals on the other side. And uh, I'd asked you, if you remember, to plot the majority of your expenditures or the things you did with your money over the last two weeks and where they fall on that line. Do most of your budget items or the way you move your money help you alleviate the fear kind of at the left-hand side of that continuum? Or are they moving you towards a concrete goal that you have? It doesn't have to be a professional goal. It could be uh, a personal goal of some kind. If you have a weight loss goal, a uh, learning a new language or getting ready to buy yourself a trip to travel goal, you know, was it moving you towards that aspiration? And I also asked you to take a look at any money items that you uh, spent money on or budget uh, budgetary ideas that you had that did not plot on that line and kind of keep those in mind for today's discussion. So if you've got that handy, take a look at that piece of paper you were drawing on. I was asking you to uh, do a little artwork. And on the same piece of paper, if you have room, I'd love for you to get even more artistic and draw just a quick triangle with the point pointing up and the base at the bottom. This is going to be your budget pyramid. This is based a little bit off the pop, the pyramid of purpose. And not to get too fancy schmancy, but uh, if any of you have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this is really going to follow where you put your money based on what your fears are that you're alleviating and what your goals are that you're working to achieve. So this reminds me a little bit of the old school food pyramid before Michelle Obama set us straight with our uh, plate model. Uh, (laughs) If you remember the, uh, the food pyramid, it was the stuff that you need in order to function on a basic level, or so we thought, was what took up the majority of your base. That was what was kind of uh, what what was your foundational structure. 
And then the things you needed less of or were, uh, you know, once you had that base covered, you could move up the pyramid with other items of food that would sustain you and keep you healthy. And the uh, the stuff at the very top was the stuff that you didn't necessarily need every day or it was the kind of the uh, the high minded budget item. So uh, like that model, the bottom level for us of our budget pyramid is going to be all the money decisions that address your fears. So all of those lines that you plotted that address your budgetary fears. I'm going to run out of money. I'm going to live in my car. They're going to repossess my car. Now I'm now living in the gutter. All of the financial decisions that you made that helped you alleviate that stress is going to go in this bottom rung because you need to make those payments. You need to make those financial decisions in order to keep you at a basic fundamental structural level. So you need to, you need those to keep you healthy. Examples of this are rent or mortgage, uh, your car payment, insurance, etc. The big stuff, the, the stuff that makes sure that you have a place to live and clothes to wear and all that good stuff. Middle level. So traveling up, once we've got the fundamentals, your fears are alleviated and we've got the fundamentals covered. These are the money decisions that start moving you towards your goals, towards your aspirations. So the middle level is going to be all the money decisions that you've made and look forward to making in the future that move you towards your goals and aspirations. So this is the stuff that you've been uh, working on. If, if it was, you know, blazers for a series of interviews that you're anticipating. I would count that as moving you towards your goal. If it was money that you plunked down for recurrent education in a field that uh, helps you forward your career, that's going to be one of those aspirational models, that those expenditures that are going to move you towards your goal. So that's going to go in the middle. You've got the basics covered. Now you can actually spend your money on the stuff that's going to move you ahead, move you forward. And then remember, I asked you to identify all those purchases that did not dissuade your fears and did not move you towards your goals. Those are going to be the tippy top of your pyramid. Those are if you got money left over and you are chugging towards your goals, that's where that money's going to go. So it's not that you can't ever buy these things. It's that you realize that you're now consciously placing these in an extra category at the top of your pyramid. So that's just a basic structure that we'll elaborate on in future sessions. But now that we're moving you from a straight line to a pyramid, I'm having you get all artistic on this piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> eventually, I'll have you uh, drawing landscapes a la Bob Ross. <laughs> in the meantime, keep that piece of paper and we'll reference it in a future episode. So, Heather, while we were talking about the pyramid of finances, the budget pyramid. This was reminding me a lot of the uh, the pyramid of purpose. Oh my gosh, we could call this the pyramid of purchase. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love oh, it. I'm so proud of us. All right, we did it. <laughs> we did it. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, um, it, yeah, it was bringing me back to the pyramid of purpose and to something that we, uh, we mentioned we were going to talk about that we teased for this episode on last episode's closeout, which was bringing your own purpose to your work, bringing greatness to the work. I don't know. Do you remember we were, uh, yeah, were yeah. Ready I, to talk about that? You know, uh, I, it came up a lot and the topics kind of died down, which I'm, I was, you know, I'd love to bring back up is the whole thing that happened with, and not everyone's familiar, Jeff Owens, who was on the Cosby show and, you know, gosh, that was back in the eighties and he's had a very successful career in terms of acting and doing Shakespeare. But 
some some woman spotted him in Jersey working at a Trader Joe's and bagging groceries and took a picture of him and, and it showed up on the news and they were, you know, originally showing the story as like how shameful and how far he's fallen because now he's doing this kind of labor kind of work versus acting as if somehow this goes back to how society treats jobs that, oh, the acting job means you're doing something important, but bagging grocery means you're not, which is, it really comes huh. down to there's there's no such thing as one job being better than the other. Sure, I get it. Like one might pay more than the other, but it just all depends down to the money's not really the whole thing. And I think that goes along with your money minute too. It's really about what you're trying to do with your life. And I like to think of the pyramid of purpose of, if the pyramid of purpose, if his top of his pyramid was to really be a good dad and provide for his family, and maybe that included stability as something that was really important and just kind of guaranteeing that there's certain things like healthcare and those types of necessities that his children wouldn't have to think twice about, then why not get something where Trader Joe's is known for having great benefits and having a great work atmosphere so he could, you know, have some stability. It doesn't mean that he stopped acting. I mean, working actors is kind of the norm. So why is that shameful? And, you know, I thought it was great how the majority of the society and news responded. They kind of came back with that principle. But I still day-to-day see people where they either talk about jobs they used to do. I was just talking to someone. She's out of work. She's been laid off. And as we're talking about, well, what are those options? And she's sharing that, you know, there's not that many jobs out there for the executive level that she used to hold. And I said, well, what about taking a job that's not at that level, but it could be in an interesting industry or a company that's really cool to work for? And her response was like, I can't take a step back. And, huh. and my, I was like, well, God, I think the biggest step back is not having any kind of income coming in. And I'm not into like take something out of desperation, but I really go back to if you know what your purpose is, it's really more about the impact you're making that adds to that purpose. If your purpose is to in this situation, work in a finance industry, then how are you helping a company be financially successful? Well, if they don't want me in as the quarterback, like let me come in as the coach. I'll come in as the water boy. As long as I'm coming in and I'm helping, or water girl, let's be gender gender friendly. <laughs> uh, but, but like, you know, I'm the goal of it is, is I'm trying to help something. If you trust myself and I get what my greatness is, I believe I'll get there. It's not about just doing whatever job and waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder. You've got to definitely hustle. But it's mm-hmm. the position's not what makes you great. The job is not what makes you great. The industry is not what makes you great. It's do you have a sense of yourself when you show up to work? And I think there's three things that people either bring to the table to bring their greatness. And if they don't have these things in place, then what happens is that their greatness doesn't show up. And it ends up hurting how much people want to work with them. So the first one is, is are you clear as to what your bigger purpose is in life? And it is not your job. Every time I talk to someone and we're doing career coaching, and I think that's exactly what you're sharing when it comes to this money minute, like the money's not the goal. It's what do you want to do with it? How is it supposed to serve you? And and work is really the same thing. And people kind of miss out on that. Work is supposed to serve you and your purpose in life. So other than survival, paying your bills and getting food on the table, which I know a lot of people are in survival mode. Even if you're in survival mode, allow yourself to at least imagine, what do I want my life to be about? What would I like work to do for me? So that your brain at least can start solving for that versus only solving for surviving. But that purpose has so much to do with it. When I see people who are lost in their careers or burned out or not feeling fueled by what they do day to day, it's because they don't have a sense of what is work doing 
towards my purpose versus trying to make work your only purpose and getting your paycheck. Right. That ties straight into the friend that you had that was recently laid off. If you've decided that your purpose is the title that you hold at the job that you go to every day, then if that job disappears or if the title changes in a way that doesn't fit your mental image of yourself, then you've lost all purpose in life. That's terrifying. Yeah, well, and, and don't be wrong. I mean, I've been laid off. I don't think, especially when you don't expect it and you didn't have the same things, it's a scary experience regardless because it's just the unknown and it's this like our brain automatically goes to how this is a bad thing versus I like to say instead of laid off, maybe you were set free because I know when I was laid off, <laughs> it didn't like my first reaction was laid off and like that's so negative. It feels like you were just thrown to the side and you're not needed. And when I look back in hindsight, I'm like, I was set free that day and I didn't know it at the time and I didn't sit in that at the time. I definitely freaked out. But as I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's one of the best things that ever happened in my career. And I could say that because I'm in hindsight, like it's easy to say that. But yeah, when you put everything around the title that you have or the job versus the purpose and the impact that you're making, I don't like it because I feel like I've given so much power to other people. And if you're Mm -hmm. around the impact and the purpose, if they're not ready for that impact and purpose, well, then just take your talents and your skills and your greatness and find the people who are because it really wasn't about them. It was about your ability to deliver your gift. And that goes to the second thing that you need. So you need to know what your purpose is, but you also have a sense of value and inner confidence and self-worth when it comes to the gift that you bring. And everybody has one. I have yet to meet a person who doesn't have a gift. I've met a lot of people who don't think the gifts that they bring are valuable. And when you don't value it, at the end of the day, how do you expect other people to value it? And there's a difference between valuing the gift that you bring to the table and thinking that you have to be better than other people. That's a very big difference. Yes. I like well, and that's kind of the difference between uh looking good and actively contributing to the team. Well, yeah, and I think if you're consumed with how do I look, how do I look, you're not really focused on your gifts. I look at it this mm. way. I don't think I'm better than someone because I have a unique fingerprint, but I still have a unique fingerprint. And mm-hmm. so it's the same thing with your gift. Like it's unique you're not better than anybody else because everyone has a unique gift. It's just not the same as yours. And that's what I love about it. It's kind of like the great equalizer at the same time, the great way to make you an individual. And so that confidence to go, I cherish this. So a lot of times, like I think to myself, when I'm in a situation where my work's not being appreciated or they're kind of treating it as if it's not necessary, unimportant, instead of sitting there and kind of bitching about like, well, they don't appreciate me here. I kind Mm. of treat my gift like a child. I'm like, well, I wouldn't leave this child here to be talked to like they don't matter. I would take them to the place where they matter. So my talents, I feel like I'm responsible to protect them and get them to the people who will benefit from them. And, And I don't think like, oh my gosh, I must protect my gifts. I'm so fabulous. No, they're not mine. They're given to me because for whatever reason, I'm supposed to be able to execute on them. So I see that as my actual job. How do I get my talents where they belong and get them connected so that they serve the people that they're supposed to serve? And if I'm someplace where people are just constantly saying that they don't need it and it's not important and whatever it is, then, okay, well, then, yeah, I need to pick up my toys and go somewhere else and not in a huff. But in a great, you don't need it. I'm not going to shove it at you. I'm going to trust that there's people out there that need it. Why else would I have these gifts? 
Right. It just wasn't the right fit to bring them right here. There's somebody else out there that's going to need those. I love how you framed that because you actually answered my big question for you before I even had the chance to ask it, which was if you don't have the confidence in your own unique skill set at the moment where you're being asked to advocate for those skills, is it a fake it till you make it scenario? Is it possible to kind of psych yourself up and boost your own estimation of those talents while you're trying to show how they work? and contribute positively to the team that you're on. But your answer to that actually takes our own ego out of the situation, either ego or lack of ego, lack of confidence, because you're essentially saying that you are a steward over these gifts that you have. So it's really your job, like they're your kids. It's your job to raise those skills and make sure that you're pouring the resources into those skills that help them grow healthy, right? And also that you keep them in a place that they're valued. Am I getting that right? Does that yeah, sound? Absolutely. I like the whole raise your skills thing. And I think like if you're feeling lack of, you know, because you said like, well, maybe it's ego or lack of ego. It's all ego. Because who are you to say like, oh, this isn't good enough. Like that's your ego going that you're the judge and the jury on this. And I, I, I just, mm. you know, that means that you're judging and doing that to other people. So it's like, no, like, you know, who are you to say that you don't have greatness? Like that's no, you have greatness. And then that's you shirking your responsibility by going like, well, I don't have anything great. So I don't have any responsibilities to handle this. I think that's a cop out. And, you know, so I'm like, you know, lock it up. You do. You have something and you're being kind of a wimp and and not a wimp. I'm not trying to like call people names, but it's a little bit like quit feeling sorry for yourself. Get that you have a gift and get busy cultivating and protecting it versus getting caught up in this mindset of like, I'm not like other people. That's a really oddly enough, as sad as that sounds, and it's like, whoa, that poor person, they feel so sad. I'm like, it's actually a really safe, low risk place to play from. Like, I don't have Hmm. any gifts, so I don't have to gamble on anything. And I've just got to sit here and play it safe. Because what was me, I didn't get handed any of that. I'm like, no, you did. So you don't get to play the card of like, I don't get to participate in life and take risks and and go out there. Like, no, you do. You have the same responsibility that I do. Your gifts are different than mine. And I think the third, so it's like, it goes from purpose. It goes from that self-worth and the kind of that caring of the gifts that you have. And then the third one is, is that you respect the greatness and the, or even the receptivity of other people for your greatness. And what I mean by that is if you're at a job and let's say, you're working somewhere and you're like, this is not my end all be all job. This is not where I necessarily want to be. Uh, and I definitely had those moments, especially in, in my younger aspects of my career where it's like, well, I don't want to be here forever, but mm-hmm. who are you to show up and not show up great just because they didn't sit there and say like, wow, I want to hire someone and I want to keep you from your greatness. That's not what happened. You went and you looked <laughs> for a job. And you found a job and you're building towards what you want to ultimately do, but your greatness shows up in ways of attention to detail, uh, following through on commitments, showing up for the things that they've asked for you to do, uh, earning the money that you negotiated. Even if you think you should be getting more money, that's what you negotiated for. That's the set price that you promised on. So do the work, do it well. And I I feel like people kind of treat jobs and people as if they're dispensable. So, oh, well, this is my dream job and I'm never going to see this person again. Who cares? I'm going to leave them behind because I'm going to be doing awesome things. I'm like, you have no idea what energy, what kind of generosity would come from people when they see you being generous with your greatness. That, yeah, I worked serving ice cream. I took that very seriously. Now, I wasn't sitting there going like, oh, it's my greatness. But I'm like, he's paying me money. I'm like, 
no matter what the money is, I treasure and respect the idea that someone's willing to pay me money. And even if I'm working for this large company and I'm a number and no one even, you know, would even know or even feel the dent of what my paycheck is, I still respect this idea that someone is shelling out money to pay for my services. And that to me, like you're taking time, you're taking energy, you're taking something away from someone. I'm going to give back my best. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that my best is always what they need and it's not always as much as I'd love to give or sometimes I'm not always at my best, but I'm going to give everything that I have. This idea that, well, I get to kind of half-ass it because this doesn't mean anything to me. It's the most self-absorbed way to behave and it hurts your reputation and your brain is practicing being less than and it's poison to your greatness. That's, I was just about to say, that seems like you're showing yourself a certain lack of self-respect if you have decided, oh, I'm totally going to half-ass this today, or I'm going to half-ass this for uh, the rest of my three-month stint, or, oh, I'm just writing this out because I know there are layoffs happening, so I'm just going to give 10% and see where that gets me. You're doing yourself and your talent a disservice. Like we talked about, you know, raising your talents and, and being a good caretaker of your talent, that's totally taking that talent out of the equation almost. Well, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's like an Olympic athlete going, well, I don't have to run fast. There's no cameras here. Well, no, (laughs) you're training. I get it's not the Olympic event, but you're training. So, of course, and even if there's no one else on the track, you're there to train. You're developing not just your your skills, your athletic skills, but just the practice of discipline so that your brain is ready to perform when it needs to. People underestimate. The longer you stay in a job where you are willing to show up subpar, You think that you're going to show up in a new job and it's just going to click in and you're going to be awesome all of a sudden. Your brain doesn't work that way. It's developed patterns. So if you keep developing a pattern of subpar, it will show up in the new job that seems like the perfect opportunity. Oh, my goodness. That is picture perfect. The Olympics training analogy just hits home with me so well. You don't see Olympic athletes training by just kind of like skipping down the track if they're supposed to run the 400. I don't know. Yeah. Um, obviously not a runner, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like, if they, they, you know, they're, they're not just skipping along or doing a quick little mall jog on their practices. If anything, they're weighting themselves down. They're putting more pressure on themselves in the practice that quote unquote doesn't matter because it all matters. It's yeah. all building towards the end goal. And yeah. And it shows up in everything. It shows up in, did they sleep well? Did they eat well? What's their mental state? What's the, what are their relationships like? And how does that stress them out or support them? I mean, that's in anything that we do. It's, it's not like athletes are unique just because they're, their gifts are physical capabilities, but you know, you're there and you're somebody's secretary. And if you didn't want to be a secretary or an office manager the rest of your life, okay, that's fine. But what you're doing is you're basically saving the day of that office every single day. If you choose to show up as the best office manager there, then you're invaluable. And your brain and your sense of self-esteem and what you live with every day, you live within this existence that you're invaluable. I had an assistant for a couple of years, and she, she absolutely believed that her being there was the linchpin of my success. And because she believed that, I don't disagree. And I miss her every day. But because she had that mindset, she showed up with everything with this sense of, like, she's important. She matters. And she's not more important than anybody else. But, uh, you know, she never approached her work as if it was less than my work or anybody else's. She knew what role it was within the team. 
She knew she wasn't calling the shots on certain things, but she absolutely took charge of it. And I never had to worry about anything because she ran her job as if it was her business. And she she's not even doing office assistant work anymore, which which breaks my heart because I would love to have her as an office assistant. But she could, <laughs> it's not because she was uniquely gifted as office assistant. She just was committed to being great in anything that she did. And she had that self-esteem and she treasured. I felt like there was such a deep respect and love for the fact that I was putting in her hands my business. And that's, to me, is, is what showed up. And, in, you know, I've worked with other people who could be in that position and be like, oh, I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. And she never had that attitude. And I don't think she takes, you know, now she's a stay-at-home mom. And I think she has that attitude of I'm my, my stay-at-home mom and taking care of my kids. That's where I'm bringing my greatness, and I am bringing everything to it. So by the time she... She, you know, whatever day it is that she ends up passing in life, she's going to be able to look back at her life and everything she touched, she touched with greatness. And I think we all have that capacity. And it's, it's a shame that we sell ourselves short and we are actually hurting our own sense of self and, and self-esteem every time we go in and we play half-ass at anything. Hmm. I, I love that. The, the analogy that you've given and especially the fact that it will roll over. Don't think that you're not grooming yourself with uh, half-assery for doing a half-ass job at, at the next place that you end up because it's all training for the main event and the main event keeps rolling forward. Yeah, let's. I love that. Let's do that. Badassery versus half-assery. Let's make that. Ooh. I like that. I, li- I like that too. Oh, we're coming up with, we're just popping them off today. <laughs> winner, <laughs> winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? We are rolling that energy through to the week. I love it so much. Thanks for joining us. Heather, who are we having next week? Oh, we've got a great guest. Uh, it's a, a near and dear friend of mine, Yolanda. Nice mix of like just pure sci-fi pop culture nerd, but also uh, just a creative spirit. And then on the flip side, a genuinely smart and savvy HR and learning person. She's going to help us kind of walk through and discuss. And, I, you know, I love the humility of her. She's such a willing to learn and always eager to kind of take things in. But we're going to talk about how do you balance being really a creative spirit while still, and I feel like this kind of goes along with what maybe Jeff Owens has to balance and, and many people like him, of here's Yolanda who's pulling a career in HR and learning, which is this professional side, but she's got a very free kind of creative spirit that needs to be filled too. And uh, I think she does a great job of balancing both. And so we're going to get to talk about how do you do that? How do you make a living, but also create the way that you need to, to, to really enjoy your life? Oh, I'm excited. Fantastic. Can't wait to talk to uh, Yolanda. And ahead of that, if that gets you thinking about anything uh, you want to send our way as far as questions for Yolanda or for us, here's how you get in touch with us. So tweet us at LMTP Consulting. Message us on Instagram at Lowman on the Totem Pole, all one word, or email us lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, you guys. Look forward to talking to you in two weeks. Thanks. Take care. Have a great week. Bye. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) 